almost lost the cup and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Golden Boot Podcast. I'm Chris Williams. And I'm Jose Rios. Today, we're going to kick off this episode talking about the international break. We're going to start with the UEFA Nations League and uh, review some of the biggest matches there this weekend. We'll start with Group C. And Portugal versus France, a clash between the reigning World Cup champions and Euro champions, uh, ended nil-nil. Jose, what were your thoughts on the match? I mean, you have the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, Joao Felix, on France's side, Mbappe, Pogba, Griezmann, Giroud, and still nil-nil. That this is probably it was probably one of the most boring games I've watched, not just like this week, just this year in total. See, some might call it a boring match, but others, such as ESPN's Alejandro Moreno, would call it a fantastic tactical battle. I mean, it was... If you're talking about defensively, yes, fantastically. It was incredible. But the people don't want to see that. They want to see the goals. They want to see that. So, it was just... It was an interesting game. Both teams, I think, went out and they knew what they wanted to do. Just not let the other team score. They did that perfectly. They just didn't find a way to score. But I will give you this. Lucas Hernandez gave a very good performance. Yeah, and a huge slide tackle on Cristiano Ronaldo in the first half to prevent what easily would have been a goal for Portugal. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just like a small, not a small deal. Like everywhere it was posted, Lucas Hernandez posted on his Instagram. That was the first picture he posted. Byron were talking about it. Everybody's like going insane about it. He's, I think defensively, France proved that they have the ability to like stay and top there has been like they've been shaky at times after the World Cup and I think a lot of teams are a little bit shaky coming off of that but defensively they were very well placed yeah and defensively each side was terrific only uh only one shot was taken by each side in the first half three altogether throughout the game and the most notable shot of the game was uh Cristiano Ronaldo's last minute uh, left-footed shot on Hugo Lloris, who ended up making a save in stoppage time to seal the draw. So, I mean, it was a great defensive battle. And, yeah, I think both teams are in very good place going forward. Yeah, and I think, just quickly, on Hugo Lloris, he's a player that, you know, sometimes he makes mistakes. Sometimes he's a little bit shaky, and he's shown that in Tottenham, and he showed that in the World Cup final when he basically gifted, uh, it was Mandzukic, like, the goal to make it 4-2. But I think he also has that. He comes in at the last minute and he'll make big saves that give you the games. He did it against Uruguay in the World Cup. He does it again today, well, in the last game. So I think he also, like, stamping his foot, saying, I need to be the first choice for France. Absolutely. And after this result, uh, both teams lead the group with seven points, but Portugal is on top thanks to goal difference. And their next matches will be played tomorrow. Portugal will play Sweden, and France will be... Uh, playing Croatia in a rematch of the 2018 World Cup final. And now let's take a look at Group E, Norway versus Romania. Who would have ever thought that Norway versus Romania would be a match that gained worldwide attention that we would talk about second on this show? I mean, yes. Norway, Romania, they're not powerhouses. And I don't think people have talked about Romania since maybe the 94 World Cup. Yeah. But when you have players, and young players like Holland and Odegaard, who stole the like stole the show? We're gonna talk about. It. I mean, Holland scoring a hat trick, goals at the thirteen sixty fourth and seventy fourth minutes, and Martin Odegaard with two assists. And one of those assists was basically a gift yeah. for Holland. I mean, both of them. There's been a lot of hype surrounding them past season. I mean, Holland is 
it's clear why. Yeah. One probably one of the best goal scorers right now in the yeah, world. In my mind, he's second behind Lewandowski. Yeah. And Odegaard, who's I mean, he had a rough start when he went to Real Madrid, just being loaned out, loan after loan after loan. At Real Sociedad, I think he really proved that he can go back to Real Madrid and like fight for his position there. And yeah, I mean, he did it as well in, in the Netherlands. He did it in Spain, and I think he's proving now at the international level he can do it. And when you pair up uh, just a midfield maestro like Odegaard with Haaland, that's that's scary. Absolutely. I mean, they're still, it's a whole team, but those two are just scary together. Absolutely. And despite only having 49% of the possession, Norway absolutely poured it on Romania offensively, and they produced 21 shots in total and had 10 on target. And like you said, the future is extremely promising for Norwegian football with the likes of Haaland and Odegaard going forward. And the next matches will be played tomorrow. Norway will play Northern Ireland, and Romania will play Austria, who currently leads that group. Now over to Group B, Belgium versus England. Belgium, the number one team in the world, against England, the number four team in the world, according to the FIFA rankings. Uh, England played, well, started the game without the likes of Harry Kane and Jadon Sancho, who were left on the bench. Uh, They played without Raheem Sterling, who was left out due to a hamstring injury. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game? It was a pretty good game. It was a tight game, and I mean, you're going to expect that from... I mean, when's the last time they played against each other? It was in the World Cup. It was fourth or third place. Like, last time they played competitively. And there, it was also... I mean, it was a little bit more towards the Belgian side, and I think Belgium had a very good World Cup. That's why they're ranked number one. I don't... Yeah. In my opinion, not the best team in the world, but... I would they, agree with you. But they deserve that ranking in a way. But yeah, I mean, I think the most interesting thing is just the absence of players. England has. I think England right now have a very good squad, and it was a very tight game, a very good game at that yeah. as well. But I mean, when you're talking about England, you have a lot of players that Southgate just left out, and I think, I mean, they have the depth. They have more depth than a lot of teams have right now. Yeah. But it's just knowing how to like manage with those players. Yeah, and I think something that Southgate's really been trying to do is believe in the youth and give them their opportunity, which I like. Which obviously would show in this result when he's playing all these younger players like Mason Mount and Marcus Rashford and Mason Greenwood and all of those uh, all of those kinds of players. But yeah, uh, England are fairly promising. They're playing rather conservatively in a 4-3-2-1, so you have basically five at the back. Um, and Romelu Lukaku kicked off uh, the scoring in the 16th minute for Belgium uh, when he was taken down the box by Eric Dyer. And he converted uh, a penalty against former Everton teammate Jordan Pickford. And a couple minutes later, Marcus Rashford tied the game on a penalty after Jordan Henderson was pulled down by Thomas Munier during a corner. And Mason Mount solidified the game for England with a 64th minute long shot that deflected off of Toby Alderweireld. So, yeah, I think both teams look pretty solid going forward. England will have more depth. Uh, when more players are back healthy and you know once they figure out what their starting 11 truly is and about that starting 11 just something comes to mind Jack Grealish yeah didn't play a single minute should he be playing right now absolutely I think that's like some people have complained about that and some people have brought that up I mean you can trust all you want Mason Mount and I mean to be honest, if I don't think that goal would have gone in if it wasn't no, deflection. absolutely not. But I think that next game, they should give Kralish a chance. He's 
I mean, he's been playing with Aston Villa like if he's playing for a top-flight team. Yeah. Aston Villa, even though they're second place, and we talked about this last week, they're not a top-flight team. They're not one of the like, big teams in England or in but the But they're world second league. in the Premier League. Exactly. Right so I think Jack Grealish has a lot to do with that, and I think that he needs that opportunity. That would be just like a confidence boost. I completely agree with you. Going forward, England's ne- next match is tomorrow against Denmark at Wembley Stadium, and Belgium will play Iceland tomorrow, which is, should be an interesting matchup. And now into an international friendly, Mexico versus the Netherlands. Jose, I'm pretty sure this is one close to your heart. Mexico ranks the 11th, the Netherlands ranked 13th in the world, according to FIFA rankings. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, first of all, every single time Mexico plays against the Netherlands after 2014, we take it seriously. This is, yeah. like, you put everything aside. It's not even a derby. It's not even, like, a rivalry. We're not playing the U.S. We're not playing something like that. But we go all out, and, like, we just remember. Yeah, here's a, l- a little timeout for story time right here. Uh, JP and I studied in the Netherlands. We studied abroad last semester. And when we were in Amsterdam the first time, he printed out a picture of Arjen Robben diving in the box to get that last-minute penalty that uh, saw the Netherlands go through over Mexico in the World Cup. And uh, we took a nice little picture in Damn Square of him holding up the picture. It's very cute. Uh, <laughs> we still we still hurt. And, I mean, that that's worse for me as a Bayern fan, having to praise Arjen Robin still after that and, like, just love him for everything he did for the club, but it still hurts. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Raul Jimenez, the one goal, 60-minute PK. I mean, he, yeah, he's going to put that in. He missed a penalty with Wolves against Sevilla, but he's a very consistent penalty taker. Yeah. I mean, he missed a few chances, a very, like very good chances in the box. In the 12th minute, he had a one-on-one with the keeper and absolutely just put it wide. And I was watching the highlights, and he, he put in a couple other shots wide, but, I mean, you know, good for him. He had the chances, so he deserved to score. Yeah, and, I mean, he's a good player. He's, I mean, he's talented. He's, I won't, wouldn't put him in the top 10 strikers in the world right now as yeah. much as some people hype him up. But, I mean, it was a good performance. There's a lot to work with. But if we're going to pull somebody out, Jesus Corona. I mean, he's it was an incredible performance. He put on a master class. Yeah, and, I mean, if people have been watching him, like, he's 27 years old right now. But he's been playing in Europe basically most of his career. And right now he is he was the MVP, not only for Porto, but for the whole Portuguese league. He is consistently one of the best players in maybe not one of the biggest like leagues in Europe, but still one that gets enough recognition, and I think he proved that today well, in the game, and I think he's proven that over qualifiers, over international games, and I think there's a lot shine, like a lot of lines shone down on Jimenez and players who play in England, yeah, players who play in some like in Spain, but I mean this is just it's not a revelation. People have known his quality, but it's like a statement that he's still one of the best players Mexico has. And, I mean, they have a lot of good players, young players, and with team selection. I had some complaints, mostly in the goalkeeping department. Mm-hmm. I'm like, those are not the best goalies you might get, and some of them are really old, like Talavera. But, I mean, you got players like Tecatito, he's 27, not the youngest, but you got youth, and, I mean, that those are the players you want to face yourself around moving forward more with a World Cup coming in one year or about two years. Absolutely, and before we move on to the Netherlands, how do you think Mexico's going to do? Um, you know, going into the World Cup next year? I mean, qualifiers should be easy. It's, I mean, no disrespect to any team, but it's CONCACAF, and we should dominate that. And maybe there is the Costa Rica, the U.S., 
but like they shouldn't have that much of an issue. And Tata Martino is a great coach, and I yeah. think he has a mentality a lot of coaches in the past in Mexico lack. And I think it's a lot. Also, Mexico sometimes lacks that commitment. Players playing in Europe just don't show the commitment in the national team. And I think Martino has been able to mold that to the way he wants. So I think we got enough youth players, enough players that are falling in with his like philosophy and his ideas. I think they'll go strong into the World Cup, but it's Mexico in the World Cup, so anything yeah. can happen. Yeah. And now moving on to the Netherlands. They are uncharacteristically playing extremely poorly. They have failed to score under new head coach Frank de Boer, who was appointed as manager three weeks ago after leaving his job at uh, Atlanta United as the head coach in the MLS. And that's just not what you would expect from a team boasting the likes of Frankie de Jong, Donny van de Beek, Memphis Depay, Virgil van Dijk, Jorginho Vinaldum, Quincy Promes, and just so on, etc. Like, they look extremely sloppy and lackadaisical with the ball. They're playing numerous errand passes around the back, which resulted in Mexico going on breaks on the counterattack. And you saw it when they played Bosnia and Herzegovina over the weekend. They were second to balls, second to challenges. They just look extremely sloppy and slow. What do you think is going on for this Dutch side? I mean, to be honest... It's, you can't even like blame it on the change of coaches, because I mean all these players should be playing at, like they're playing at top flight. I mean yeah, all you got them. Barcelona, Manchester United, Liverpool, just off the top of my head. Yeah, and I mean it's just not it's just surprising. I think it's just a lack of mentality. They just need to be like completely focused. And sometimes it happens when you're playing top flight, like football, <laughs> when you get called for an international break. Yes. You want to put a great performance for your country, but sometimes I feel there's just that lack of like desire to go all out, knowing you can risk an injury and like have issues with your club when you go back. So it might be that, or just might be that they're just tired as well. Yeah, I was reading an article today, and Frank DeBoer said that he's putting the well-being of his players above the results, knowing that they're playing three games this week, very tight schedule for their national team ahead of going back and playing for their clubs in the respective leagues and in the Champions League. So that could be it, but, I mean, all in all, you just really expect to see the Netherlands perform better than this. Yeah, and I think we'll see. They play against Italy tomorrow. Yeah. And Mexico today played. They tied 2-2 against Algeria. Very exciting game. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, Diego Linus scored, who plays for Betis. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throwing that in because I once played a game against him. You did. And I didn't save a shot from him. They scored out the rebound, but I did make one save. <laughs> um, so moving on. <laughs> the Conmebol qualifiers. So um, do you want to take it? No, this is should, all should you. Okay. This is all you, buddy. So Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Uruguay won their first games. I mean, Brazil completely dominated against Bolivia 5-0. There was no doubt who the better team was. Colombia against Venezuela. I mean, you're seeing like Zapata and Muriel score. Muriel scored twice. Both Atalanta players. So you see that connection. And I think that's what every national team likes to see. Yeah. Like two players that have that connection. And when you're going up top. And more incomparable because, I mean, some people might just highlight your like Brazil, Argentina. But when you get down to it, like those games can be very, very intense and very hard for the teams to play through. And Uruguay versus Chile. I mean, Uruguay 
playing what Uruguay wants to play, scoring at the 90th, like 93rd minute. From I mean, it was the last kick of the game. As soon as it went in, the referee called the game. And I mean, it's a little bit what you see with Atletico Madrid. It's a similar mentality of like just doesn't matter what the score is you go out and you win you do what you have to do and i mean that's why south american like football is interesting to watch yeah but yeah i mean it was a good game by most of them now the argentina piece so one nil win versus ecuador and it comes from a third like 13th minute penalty for messi it's a very inexperienced side some of them that started in 11 never played a qualifier in their life but still i feel argentina needs to show something they were they are playing. They, they're winning right now, as of right now. They're winning 2-1 against Bolivia at Bolivia, which is very hard. Like, some people might say it's Bolivia, but when you play there, like, the altitude kills you. One yeah. of the worst defeats Argentina has had was a 6-1 or 6-0 draw, loss against Bolivia. And it's just the altitude that kills you. But I think they have to do something because it's the same as Barcelona. They can't count on Messi forever. Yeah, And they have to find... Like they have to switch gears and like if they want to be a dominant force yeah. in football again because they haven't won a major title since ninety. Yeah. So similar to my question to you about Mexico going into the World Cup next year, you look at Argentina and they have just been so underwhelming the past decade or so, two decades, and people always say that Messi will never be the best until he wins a title with Argentina, specifically the World Cup. I mean. They just can't seem to get it going. They couldn't get it going against Germany in the 2014 World Cup. They couldn't get it going last World Cup. Where do you see this team going next year into the World Cup? I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. Messi's still going to be Messi. But it's the same thing as when Brazil in the 2014 World Cup kind of relied on Neymar to do something for them. Same as like Portugal sometimes has relied on Cristiano to do something for them. If they can't First of all, it's 11 people. It's 11 aside. Like, you can't just have one player do everything. And sometimes it looks like Messi's doing everything. So it's easy to say it just depends how Messi's, like, doing that, like, in that time. But I think Argentina have the quality, and I think that's something that we've seen more with Brazil sometimes. Right now with Colombia, they have maybe not the best players, but they have very good high-level players that are, like, consistent. Like, all their squad is like that. In Argentina, you'll see, I mean, you got Messi, you got Lautaro Martins, but then you see a drop in level. And then you see another player who you've never heard of before. It's just, like, non-existent in the top flight. So, I don't, I see, I do see them getting through easily, like, through into the World Cup. At the World Cup, I mean, it's going to have be decided by how Messi's going to do. Yeah. And just to touch on that Messi versus Ronaldo debate, Portugal are looking not unstoppable right now because they drew, but they're looking pretty incredible. They're in very good form. Ronaldo, he just gets better with age, fine wine, you know. So I, I, I don't know what, what, what to say when it comes to this Messi and Ronaldo debate going forward because I think Portugal have a very good chance of winning the World Cup next year. And I just don't think this Argentina side is going to do very well. Yeah, and I think that's also... What I was saying, like what I was going with, Argentina side sometimes is like, some are good players, some are not that good, and some are like really dreadful sometimes. Yeah. In Portugal, you got a team that's completely stacked up with very good quality players, so I think that's going to be a decider on which team is better because you can't say which one's better just by seeing how the team performs. It's yeah. But yeah, I think 
if you're going to put them like Portugal versus Argentina right now, mm-hmm. I think like at least nine times out of ten, Portugal wins. I agree with you. But who knows because they're going to be missing their best player right now. Yep, and speaking about that, uh, let's head into today's news. Cristiano Ronaldo tested positive for the coronavirus today following the UEFA Nations League match against France. He's the latest superstar to test positive following the likes of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Paul Pogba, Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, and Angel Di Maria. And this impact that his positive test has is that he has a 10-day period of self-isolation. He's asymptomatic right now. He's not showing any symptoms. He's in good health, which is great. So I, I hope it stays like that for him and for Portugal and for Juventus, for everyone who he's played with. Uh, he will miss tomorrow's Nations League match against Sweden. He will miss Juventus's game this weekend uh, in the Serie A versus Croton. And he will miss Juventus's first Champions League group stage match against Dynamo Kiev on October 20th. And hopefully he will be fully recovered to play against Barcelona and against Messi on October 28th in the Champions League group stages. But we will have to wait and see what restrictions are put on place for him. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this is, of course, not the news anybody wants to hear when probably one of the best players in the world gets... I mean, nobody wants to hear somebody getting yeah. the coronavirus, but I think this is a little bit, like, and more affecting the Juve Barcelona match. Nobody wanted to hear this kind of news. Like, we want to see Messi, Ronaldo. I don't care if you never watch Barcelona or Juventus, mm-hmm. like, at all. You want to see that game. But, I mean, usually top like top flight athletes this they recover quickly yeah more like with the conditions they're not at risk they're probably like the least at risk like members in like the entire planet when it comes to respiratory disease so i really believe he is going to come back i do think i feel the nation's league game might be a little bit hard but i do think like as we said portugal has a very good squad yeah Juventus versus Groton and against Dinamo Kiev, I don't, I don't see that being yeah, that big of a deal. I don't see it being a problem at all yeah. without him. But I mean, yeah, we're looking. I mean, Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria, as you said, it was a little bit. They were asking for it. They went out to Visa. They got sick. It's, it's gonna happen. But I mean, it might be over. Like he might get better soon, and he might still have to be in isolation. But he might recover quickly. We saw Slatten. Yeah. I mean, COVID-19 challenged Slatten and COVID-19 lost. <laughs> so Slatten recovered pretty quickly. So honestly, I mean, we hope he gets better soon for his sake, for all of our, all of our entertainment to watch. Absolutely. Barcelona yeah. versus Juventus, but yeah, we hope he recovers. Yeah, and if he doesn't, you can still enjoy another matchup between two talented players that day. Serginho Dest versus uh, McKinney. Yep, that's... Big American football showdown on the big stage. Yeah, that's his, it's going to be good. And I think, I don't think the U.S. has ever had, like, players at that level going head-to-head. I don't think so either. I mean, you can bring out names, but honestly, like, you put, I don't know, Christian Pulisic against, like, who was the goalkeeper for Aston Villa? Or was it? I don't. We don't even know. We don't even remember that. With Brad Guzan, yes, exactly. That's yeah. thing. Like that's not this level. And I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good game, regardless. And I hope we hope Cristiano recovers as soon, as fast as Slatten did, and not as fast as Dybala did, because he took like four months. <laughs> so 
Let's just hope for that. All right, now time to end this segment with game predictions. And as we've been talking about Portugal this whole entire show, let's start it off with Portugal. Portugal will play Sweden tomorrow. And as we've said many times, there's no Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Sweden is coming off a 2-1 loss to Croatia on Sunday. They have some firepower in Alexander Isak, Marcus Berg, and Emil Forsberg. And um, I honestly think that Portugal would be fine without Ronaldo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you got you don't have Cristiano. Who do you have? Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes. Like, we can just keep going. Yeah, you have Renato Sanchez coming yeah. off the bench. I mean, yeah, Renato Sanchez, yeah. who is hasn't done much since I know but he can come off the bench and maybe do something against yeah. a, a lower side like Sweden yeah and I don't think you have Joao Felix of course yeah and I don't think Sweden has like been tested as much lately so I think yeah, yeah we think Portugal is going to win that yeah and Portugal are defensively sound as they showed against France so JP what's your prediction I'll put it like 2-0 I'm also going to put it 2-0 why are you reading my mind I yes I'm reading just your mind okay not the nuts <laughs> Okay, so now uh, France versus Croatia tomorrow. Uh, Croatia are one and two in the Nations League. They're coming off, it, well, not coming off a loss. They're coming off a win against Sweden, but they lost four to one to Portugal last month. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, I don't. Croatia's a good team. I don't think there's a doubt about that. And we can do this in another episode, and I'll show you the full list of players from like the former Yugoslavia who could make a national team and a lot of those are Croatian and they would dominate world football and that's just how it is but right now since the World Cup they haven't shown quality no I mean they got demolished against Spain in the First Nations League game they haven't been consistent and I think like they're not going to do well I think France and France after the game against Portugal they're probably going to want to score like and they're probably going to do it but What's your prediction? Uh, my prediction for this, I think France are too strong and boast too much depth for Croatia to truly compete. And I predict 3-1 France. I'll go 3-0. 3-0? Yeah. Okay. And now the Netherlands versus Italy. This is this should be a very interesting game. Um, Italy currently leads Group A of the Nations League with one win and two draws, which just shows the quality of all four teams there. One win and two draws, that's Okay. Um, yeah, they recently drew to Poland, but uh, I think the Netherlands will finally find a way to get on the score sheet. Um, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I mean, after the last game, and we were knowing like the board doesn't want his players to risk too much, so I kind of see it hard for them to come out with a win here. I, but I don't see Italy having the firepower. I mean, yes. Poland is good. Yes. But Poland going forward is much better than Poland defensively. Absolutely. Like, you got Lewandowski, you got Milik, you got Piatek. Like, it's just insane. But in the back, like, they have very good players. They have a really good goalie. But it's not, like, as good. So I don't think Italy has enough potential to put three or something like that past Netherlands. But at the same time, if you survived against Lewandowski, Milik, and all of them, you also have a very good defensive back line, and I think Italian football in general is about that. Absolutely, 100%. So, yeah, I mean, I'd see this like a 1-0 win for Italy. Yeah. See, I'm hoping that the Netherlands can find a way to get back on the score sheet, like I said. Um, are they going to win? Probably not. I'm going to go 
1-1 draw. And last but not least, to round up the Nations League matches uh, for the rest of the week, England versus Denmark. Uh, both of these sides drew nil-nil last month when they played each other. Uh, Denmark is coming off of a confident 3-0 win against Iceland, who are struggling this uh, Nations League. Um, the notable names on Denmark, you got Christian Eriksen, you got Kasper Dolberg, and this will make you happy, JP. Uh, Martin Braithwaite. Let's go. Yeah, just a little side note. JP and I went to see Barcelona play this past uh, semester, and um, I think he was the first person in the world to get a custom Martin Braithwaite Barcelona Champions League jersey. Yeah, number 19, and since he changed his number to number 9, I'm probably one of the only people to have that. Yeah, so. and that that match was his debut. He came on for Antoine Griezmann, who was having just a terrible game. He came on, had the worst first touch I've ever seen, <laughs> ever. and But he almost scored. Yeah, and he assisted one. I know. I mean, let's be honest. I've never seen a whole stadium laugh at the same time. I know. It, it was amazing. It was fantastic. It was great. Yeah, that, I mean... We had this debate after the game. What was better, Messi scoring four goals that game, or Braithwaite's debut? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think the final poll was kind of kind of fifty fifty. Yeah, it was about Maybe even. Just going towards the debut. Yeah. I'm not going to show the numbers. I'm just. Yeah. yeah. yeah just okay. Trust me. Okay, I'll trust you. But uh, Martin Braithwaite for Denmark on the international stage, different story. So England are coming off of a win against world number one Belgium, like we said. Uh, but this match will be playing without Kieran Trippier and Ben Chilwell, who were just dropped from the squad today. Uh, Kieran Trippier has personal issues, and I think Ben Chilwell is injured. So um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, England, I mean, yes, yeah, a 2-1 win against a 3-0 win, but you have to see like the level, yeah. what they're playing is. And I think Denmark can be dangerous. I mean, in the back, maybe not like the most solid team, but I mean, Schmeichel is one of the best goalies in England right now. I mean, I wouldn't put him at the level of his dad. And I've always said this. I feel bad for him. Yeah. He, It's the same situation as uh, Sedan's kid who decided to play in the midfield. I'm like, you're like setting yourself up for failure. Yep. Be the smart one. Just become a goalie. But I think he's a very solid goalkeeper. So I don't think it would be a blowout. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, Ericsson, Braithwaite, even, like, going up. But still, I think England has too much depth and too much depth going forward for yeah, like, Denmark to actually win. Absolutely. There's too much talent. Um, when you look up top, when you compare both teams up top, England wins. When you compare both teams in the midfield, England wins. When you compare both teams in the back line, England wins. When you look at goalkeeping... Denmark. Denmark, yes. Unless you put in... Dean Henderson, that I think it becomes a little bit more even, but Denmark still wins. But all in all, I think England win this. It can be a 2-1 or a 3-1 win for England. Yeah, I'll go probably 2-1. Yeah. And now we'll close up this show with a preview of the Champions League. Yeah. First games? Well, I mean, not the first, but the biggest games in the first uh, game day. PSG versus Man United. That one's close for you. Yeah, a rematch of last year's win in Paris. I will never forget it. I bought Marcus Rashford's pink away United jersey after he scored the penalty that sent us through. And at uh, Parc des Princes, or however you say it in French, I can't speak French. I took some French. I am terrible at the pronunciation, so yes. Okay. Parc des Princes. There you go. That's I don't good. even know that. Yeah, right, that's but. good. 
That's very good. That's good enough. But, uh, no, United are struggling. I've talked about it so much. And since this one, this episode is mainly based on the international break, I won't get too into this because I could go for another half hour just talking about Man United. But, no, United, something has to change. And um, Ollie's really just got to get his team fired up. Or just get a better wheel because Ollie's at the wheel and it's not going that far. Yeah, uh, th- that's a that's a topic for another show, but um, unfortunately, I think PSG wins. I'm gonna give it a draw. I mean, I get Man United being in shambles, but PSG like they're also not off a hot start. They're gonna want to go like r- as hard as they can going up front. They want to score because they know like they're sometimes shaky and they're mainly exhausted. I mean, they ha- really haven't had that much of a break like Bayern. Like they maybe one week, two weeks. I mean, not even, because as soon as the Champions League ended, they had, like, a game next week. Yeah. So I think they're also kind of shaky, so I'd give it, like, a 1-1 draw. Okay. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's totally valid. I can definitely see that. Next matchup we have Ajax versus Liverpool. Now, we talked about this a bunch on last week's show. Side note, if you want to look at any of the club matchups uh, for this weekend, we touched on that in last week's show, so give episode two, Football Bloody Hell, a listen. Yes, because somebody forgot there was an international break, and that was me. And yeah, that somebody would definitely be Jose. So what are you thinking about Ajax-Liverpool? It's tight. I mean, if we're talking about momentum, Ajax has better momentum. They're just, like, dominating again, <clears throat> their DBs. But, I mean, they did lose Van de Beek. They did lose Serginho Dest, so I think... It's very, very quick that they have to like recover from that fine. And they have players. Their academy is one of the best in Europe. So they have somebody who can step in, but it's kind of hard. But at the same time, Liverpool is not looking no. well at all. So Coming off a 7-2 loss to Aston Villa. I think if Liverpool are able to like rally back, like focus, they can win. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Ajax just take a 1-0 lead. Yeah, I mean... I definitely hear that, you know, Liverpool is struggling right now, quotes around the struggling, but um, I don't think they're truly struggling. And when it comes to a side like Ajax, I mean, right now, like you said, they lost Donny van de Beek, they lost Eugenio Dest, and those are two very big holes to fill, but I still think that Liverpool are going to come away with a win here. I don't think it's going to be a huge win. It could be like 2-1. It's going to be fairly close. But I do say that Liverpool is going to win. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good game. That's that's for sure. Yeah, and that hurts me to say. Well, my Ajax flag is high, is uh, hanging up in my room behind me. So, all right. Next, we have Bayern Munich versus Atletico Madrid. Jose, your favorite team. What do you have to say? I mean, Bayern are not only dominating right now. They had the four-one lo- loss, and then they bounced back. I do see them winning, and not just because I'm a Bayern fan. I see them winning because they have the firepower, and I they have like that mentality. Just keep pressing, and they have players like Kimmich. You know, I mean, if we're talking about our my mean my fantasy Champions League team. And yeah, I'll, let's talk about that for a second. Your fantasy team looks ridiculous. Yes, it is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Do you have it pulled up? I'm gonna pull it up right now for you guys to enjoy. It's. Okay, so we're so, starting at the back. Yeah, all right. So first, let's let's say, what was your budget? How how much money did you have so to spend on these players? A hundred million. All right, a hundred million. So, 
We're not going to read the bench because honestly, you're not going to know half of them because I don't know half yeah, of them. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But Manuel Neuer in goal, Joshua Kimmich, Hakimi, Serginho Dest, Matthias Alight. Then midfield, Kevin De Bruyne, Frankie De Jong, Thiago Alcantara, and Barrios. Which, side note, he is the second most chosen player really? this year after Lewandowski. Interesting, okay. Yeah. And then up top, Erling Haaland, Robert Lewandowski as my captain. That's how I... Almost the same team I had last year. I won last year, and I'm going to keep it like that. But, yeah, I mean, what I was going to say, I mean, Bayern have those players who can create the chances. Atletico Madrid is always a team to be worried about. Absolutely. Against Leipzig, they played terribly. They didn't look like they wanted to attack. They didn't look like they wanted to defend. But on, like, a day-to-day basis, they are a very strong team defensively, and that's what scares me. Like, if you hit Bayern on the counterattack with the high press, it can be scary, but at the same time, Atletico Madrid usually just stays in their own half, which will give Bayern more chances, but it's just making sure they take advantage of those. So I might see it as a 2-0 or 1-0 win for Bayern. Yeah, I definitely see that it could be. I, but I do think at the same time that Atletico can definitely get on the board. I mean, Luis Suarez, like we said, in his debut, came off the bench and scored a brace, right? Yeah, I mean, and it's different because Bayern are a little bit better Yeah, no, they played. But, I mean, it's Luis Suarez. Yes, of course. But it, it's always, I think, about how, like, um, I just forgot his name. Uh, Simeone decides to play. If he decides yeah. to just, like, lock up like he usually does, yes. then, I mean, even if you got Suarez, even if you got Joao Felix, like, you have to give them the chance to go attack. Yeah. So I think it's a lot. It, the scoreline is going to depend a lot on how Simeone sets his team. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So, yeah, I would probably go with... I'm going to go with 2-1 Bayern. I'm going to let Atletico score. And whoever scores, that can be up to you to decide. And last but not least, we have Chelsea versus Sevilla. It's a good game. I think Chelsea have been, like, not showing the quality that they could show with the amount of players they just bought and the quality of the players they just bought, not just the amount. I mean, uh, you got Ziyech, you got Kai Havertz, you got Timo Werner. They're very good players. They just need to show that. And I think Sevilla are also a team who's very underrated. Absolutely. So it's going to be a tough game. I think Chelsea can come out maybe 1-0, 2-1 win. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sevilla, as I said uh, last week's episode, if they decide, you know what, we're going third place, we're qualifying for Europa League, and we're winning it again. So. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can definitely see that. I mean, Sevilla's most notable signing this summer was Ivan Rakitic. So, I mean, when you look at the class on both sides, I think Chelsea wins on paper. And, you know, in reality, I also think Chelsea wins. Yeah. Like you said, they have all those all those quality players that they brought in this summer. And they have like, the likes of Christian Pulisic and, you know, all of them. So I do think that Chelsea will end up winning. And I think it's going to be another close one, maybe yeah. like 2-1 or 2-0. Definitely. Yeah, well, that wraps up episode three of the Golden Boot Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I've been Chris Williams. I'm Jose Rios. And thank you so much. Tune in next week. Have a great week, guys. <laughs>